Hey, it's Ethan Skolnick for Five on the Floor on the Five Reasons Sports Network. As you know, we heard from Pat Riley recently. Everybody has an opinion on trades, free agency, who they should keep, who they should give up, who they should get. Well, whatever it is that Riley and the Heat do, you don't want them giving up too much and getting too little, right? Well, the same is true of shaving products, and that's why I use Harry's Shaving products. I love the way it handles. I love the way it looks, and I love the quality of the shave. I have a little bit of trouble growing out a good beard so better to just shave it off and make sure that it looks somewhat professional. These are German-engineered blades made in their own factory, so they stay sharp longer. means you can use them longer. And also, they've got customizable delivery options for scheduled refills as low as 2 bucks, half of what you pay for other big brands. Also, I would recommend the shaving lotion as well and the body wash. So check it out. You can go to harrys.com backslash five. That's harrys.com backslash five. You'll get a $13 trial set for just three bucks. Again, don't pay too much and get too little. Same is true of shaving as NBA transactions. harrys.com backslash five for your $3 trial set. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. Welcome back to Five on the Floor. I'm your host, Greg Sylvander. Tonight's floor plan with me, the regular crew. We have Alex Toledo, follow him at Tropical Blanket. We have Brady Hawk, follow him at Brady Hawk 305. We are going to recap the Miami Heat's, I'm going to say, outright disappointing loss in Minnesota, 106-90. They uh, basically had the bottom fallout from them in the second half. We're going to talk about the reasons why, the the trend that we're seeing here. Uh, so we're going to get into all that. There's a de- definitely some, maybe a couple things to take from this game that we think maybe will be positive to translate. Uh, but before we dive into any of that stuff, let's get right into the gamer of the night. And now on Five on the Floor, it's time for the Gamer of the Night, sponsored by Rock Esports Center, the place to eat, drink, and play all day. Host your next birthday party with them. Located at 15305 South Dixie Highway in Palmetto Bay, they've got a 5,500-square-foot state-of-the-art center equipped with all the high-end power. Play all-day passes, available for just 25 bucks. but if you mention five reasons... It's just $20. So mention five reasons or five RSN. You get to play all day for $20. And now, the gamer of the night. Regretfully, I am here to inform everyone that the gamer of the night is Naz Reed, the backup big for the Minnesota Timberwolves, one that I wish the Miami Heat could acquire. 
in 28 minutes, had 25 points, 10 of 14 from the field, four of seven from three, plus 30 on the game, eight rebounds, two steals. He was dominant. He was uh, a player that we were hoping Thomas Bryant could maybe match. And that was not a realistic expectation for tonight. So shout out to Naz Reed. That's where we're starting the show in terms of the player that was the gamer of the night, hurt the heat the most. Um, but it was a really a team effort here, y'all. And unfortunately, this is a, a reoccurring theme where the heat appear to um, have the bottom fall out in fourth quarters. They, uh, you know, completely lost the lead against Detroit. You know, they follow that up with... Um, uneven play down the stretch in Boston. And now you're in a situation where this was a close game. You know, there was a point uh, er early on as we went 82 79 Duncan had a chance to tie. Then they, you know, you end up losing by 16. Uh, You know, think things get away from you. Brady, I'll come to you first here. Not just Naz Reed, because that's a good way for us to just get into this. Uh, what what is happening with Miami in these games where the, where they're kind of falling off the map at the at the end here, and just overall, what are you seeing that's ailing them most? I know that the wings are out, so it's easy to point to the injuries, and maybe the injury report should come next for that. But uh, but what did you see against Minnesota specifically tonight that uh, that led Miami to struggle and essentially get the doors blown off uh, on the road? So, yeah, I'm glad you, you hit on Nasri because he definitely hurt them. The, I, I thought Miami's defense is was pretty much what we've always known for it to be. They played a lot of zone. They basically forced those inefficient shots in the middle of the lane. Part of that was Nasri kind of hitting a couple of those nice little touch shots, floaters. But he also was doing it from deep. Like, he was stretching the floor on them. They were forcing them kind of late on rotation. It wasn't even a lot of pick-and-pop stuff. It was like swing, just shooting over the top of a smaller guy that's maybe on that bottom box of the zone so he can kind of just shoot over the top of you. But as much as I want to sit here and give him credit and give the Minnesota credit for what they were doing, I didn't feel like Miami's defense is what hurt them at all. Like the the scoring was what it was with the guys that they had. The zone did its job. It did what was necessary, in my opinion, when you just watch what it was able to do. And then they obviously, they just laid it on them kind of at the end of that game and really poured on the points what led to them getting it to the hundreds. Because if not for that, they probably don't even touch the hundreds either. It was really the offense for Miami. It really comes down to that. And then you mentioned the fourth quarter. Like, they walk into the fourth, and I think they had – what did they have, 78? So, what was that, a 12-point fourth quarter, I believe? Or, no, 17-point fourth quarter. So, they had a little bit less. But the point overall was the fact that they go into the fourth and they just fall apart offensively. And this isn't to say that they had a great first three quarters offensively, but they did at least a good first half. And I'm just watching them late third quarter into the fourth quarter, and I'm like – what are they even trying to accomplish on a possession to possession basis? Cause it's like, I don't know what they're trying to get to. Uh, you have to, you know, I, I know we're going to get to a lot of the players, so I don't want to take everything right now and, and spit it out, but you know, Tyler hero being inefficient definitely hurts on a game where you don't have Jimmy Butler. You need to not be eight for 23 uh, in this type of game. I thought, you know, bam, ideally gets a couple more shots up, but we could sit here and have that conversation. Uh, this game was definitely was not on bam. Overall, it really was just everybody. Like, I'm just looking at the regular numbers. Like, you have guys like Duncan that's two for 10 from three. Uh, you have guys like Kyle Lowry who's who took six shots and only made one. Like, you have just – they were just so inefficient, and it wasn't one guy. But I just don't know – like, they really – I don't know what they were trying to accomplish, and they just don't have the guys – enough guys, I guess, to make up for it. Like, it's – Duncan, you can, make, you can make the comments about Duncan kind of being inefficient from deep. But, like, if he's not taking those inefficient threes, what's happening – 
if he's not doing that because then it's ending up in what a Drew Smith Jamal Keen pick and roll like I I just don't know like I I just it really comes down to the what are their better actions tonight (laughs) (laughs) and that should have been the the gamer of the night is the Drew Smith Jamal Keen two-man game because I I don't know it was just a very lobs underwhelming yeah well that actually was very good point that was a good combo uh but the second half offense can't continue to just keep falling off the map like this and having no options. Totally agree that uh, the Jamal Kane stuff was fun to watch, but it didn't produce results. Ultimately, there were some bright spots along the way, which we'll get to later. But I think we need to stick on kind of this reoccurring theme. Miami's been out rebounded all in all three games so far. They're in a, in a spot where the shooting has been relatively uneven. Tonight they shoot 30% from three, 40% from the field. Um, Alex, the offense right now just – it doesn't look – tonight was one of the nights where there were moments where I said it was in the first half primarily. Oh, oh like this is looking like it's actually – the ball's moving. Things are getting interesting. Uh, it's weird usually, I guess, maybe when some of the primary players are out, guys feel more um, like they need to take that burden on or they're looking elsewhere. So tonight it got a little cleaner at certain moments, but ultimately we're still in the mud with this uh overall what is it that's happening so far that you're seeing game over game at least one consistent thread that's leading this team to basically drag themselves through the mud on offense which we kind of projected was going to happen and it's and it's coming to fruition thus far yeah it's hard to come up with one answer um it really is and there is a lot going on. Like you mentioned the defensive rebounds and the, the rebounding game earlier. The Heat are getting killed on the defensive rebounds too in, in these three games they've played. It's, and that's, you know, like like we talked about on the defense pod, they were fourth in that last season by defensive rebound percentage. It's supposed to be something they're good at. You have K-Love to start the season, right? Um, you would think that would help you with the rebounding as well. So that's been a problem. The offense, much bigger problem. Much, much bigger problem. Obviously tonight, um, you know, with the amount of guys out, which we're obviously going to get to in the injury report later on, um, it changes things. That's obviously going to be a huge factor. But, oh, my God, like it, it, you're right. In that first half, it was it was pretty good. Like the, the first quarter looked good. They were moving the ball well. Things were looking actually pretty crisp. And, I, you know, I was joking around on playback about them being better on offense without Jimmy. Obviously, tongue in cheek. I, I did not mean that whatsoever. And um, the problem with this team is like they're, they were already missing all these defensive guys. And then tonight. Um, you you go out missing Jimmy and Caleb too. That's a that's a big chunk of your offense already. Like this team is not an offense heavy team. You lost a bunch of your best defenders and you lost, you know, your most important offensive player. Like it's just it's it's a lot going on there. So I do want to you know hold back from trashing them too much because of the guys that they have out. But still, like the offense is a problem. If you just look at what they did tonight, they finished with a ninety one point eight offensive rating, which is fourth percentile. If you go look at it in the half court, it was 75 points for 100 possessions, also fourth percentile. Uh, like you mentioned earlier, they shot 30% from three. But not only that, they shot, let me see, just under 35% from the mid-range. Again, and that's somewhere where they take a big chunk of shots. They're usually pretty good at them. 35% from there. Then you go look at the free throws. I mean, just from watching it, everybody knows there were a whole lot of them. Trying to quickly back the stats up here. I think they missed six of them, if I remember correctly. Yeah, eight of 14. So just all over the place, like the Heat, where it, it was a complete 
game out of the mud after it, you know, they got off to a pretty good start with Hakez and Jovic in that starting lineup, which was kind of like the cool gimmick of this game that had us all wanting to watch. Um, and I think there, there are some, there is some positive stuff to take away from those guys for sure. But overall, the offense was a mess. It felt, it felt like, um, you know, the Timberwolves throughout the game kind of scouted what the Heat wanted to do with the guys that they had available. And by the end, like, Tyler wasn't getting any of those threes up that he was getting up before. Bam had absolutely no space in the mid-range. They were like, oh, this guy wants to take it every time. Like, he'd rather just take it because he thinks that you're not going to contest it. They started contesting it. He didn't really adjust. And, you know, after that, how much more do you really have? Like Brady was saying, like you had Duncan coming off and he wasn't having his night either. It just got ugly. Um, like Kyle was moving the ball really well. Yeah. Finished with seven assists. I, I thought, and Drew Smith played really well again on the defensive end. I thought we were about to get two straight nights of Kyle and Drew Smith having a game, a, a good game at the same time. It wasn't anybody's fault. It was just an ugly game uh, overall. And, you know, they also didn't win in, in points off turnovers. And I've hammered that point home for, for years on this show that that's, you know, they're supposed to be built on defense. And obviously they're just missing so many of their guys. So I feel like their whole infrastructure is off right now. And as a, as a result, guys are doing too much and, and, and just things are out of place. And, yeah, here we are, one and two with the Bucks coming up next. Yeah, and that should be a fun one. I think Miami will be up for that, and I think Jimmy will be back. But to the point of Jimmy – and to the point of the other guys out that Alex just mentioned, to me, I have to be really honest. For Jimmy to sit tonight, even though I understand it's the second night of a back-to-back, considering the way he played in Boston, I think he should have played tonight. I think that particularly on a team that lacks the type of fire, the firepower it needs to really be coherent offensively, he needs to step up early in the season and set the tone to some degree. So uh, – Although I understand why they're doing it, it's the prudent approach to a long season. And ultimately, when he's dominating in April and May, I'm going to shut up about it. So I understand why. I'm not trying to go there. I just know that like this team could have used Jimmy in his, uh, yeah, in in good form tonight. And so I understand that they are. We must all now acknowledge they are willing to sacrifice certain games because uh, they are resting Jimmy. And so. I think that that is, it's a smart approach, but there's sometimes where there's a sour pill to swallow with it. Let's pivot to Bam and Tyler fast. We don't need to spend a lot of time there because we're not going to, um, you know, do high fives and butt slaps over a loss. But like, um, Alex, I'll come back to you. You take Bam out of bio. What did you see that you liked? What did you see that you didn't like? And then we're going to pivot over to Brady to dissect Tyler Hero uh, before we get to the A aggressive play of the night. Honestly, um, I thought Bam played a lot better last night against Boston. And, and I mentioned this on playback that even though I, you know, kind of had him as a gamer of the night um, just because of the, the dunk he had on Porzingis and, you know, as well as him playing a good game. Um, like I didn't like that he was missing those layups and then he, he did it again um, tonight a couple of times. That's a, that's just a, a, a smaller thing. Like I obviously still think Bam is a great player, all of that. I'm not concerned about him. There's still things he has to kind of, I think, polish with his offensive game. I still don't think he's found that balance. Um, but like, I, I like that he's as confident as he is with the mid range shot. I'm, I'm going to start it off there. There is something 
to be said about finding the balance between that and the, and the way he attacks. Like, I thought he did a really good job attacking against Boston. Look, second night of a back-to-back on the road, it's tough, right? It's tough to keep up that that sustained energy, um, especially, you know, missing Jimmy there, who, who takes up so much of the load, even though he didn't play well in Boston and kind of Bam and Tyler were the ones carrying. You know, you kind of maybe give him a pass for tonight, right? They, they were already carrying Jimmy last night on the offensive end of the floor, and then now they, they had to play just without him altogether. So I would like to give them a pass, but um, specifically when it comes to Bam, I, I, I think I, – I don't know, man. I, I, they need to figure out a way to find that balance because I, he ends up leaning into the mid-range shot a lot, which I like. Again, I love the confidence. I think when it's there, you take it every time, no doubt about it. Um, you just want to figure out a way to get him headed towards the rim. And I feel like we've been just saying it for so long and, and it's like up and down, right? Like Bam has made these steps, but this, the growth is not like linear where it's like, yeah, he's gotten better, but that means it's just going to stay yeah. better, stay at that level that we wanted at. Like, and it's just like anybody else, right? Like we're, we're all humans. Growth is not linear. People have bad days. And I didn't think Bam paid that like that bad or anything, but I, I do think like a night like tonight, you see where the flaws are on the offensive end. He, he's, he's still really good at what he does. I just, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going on about this. I'm going too long. I, I would love to see them try to figure out, um, that how to tell that balance with him because I, I do think he ends up just taking the midi a whole lot. They can make his life easier. Tyler Hero. That's the thing. They had make. nobody out there to make his life easier. So I feel like they just kind of go back to just kind of the, the shots that they're comfortable with. And like I said earlier, they got scouted. By the end of the game, none of those shots were going up. Uh, and speaking of getting scouted, Tyler Hero uh, is, you know, was on the scouting report as probably the primary option for Miami. Brady, what did you think of Tyler's night? Yeah, I mean, look, it's a tough spot to be in, even though he's supposed to be that emerging guard that could be in different situations. He just didn't have that secondary creator on the perimeter, in my opinion. Like, you could mention Kyle and playing in these Kyle Drew Smith lineups, but, like, these aren't true secondary creators you're dealing with. So it's so such heavy usage on him, such heavy attention on him. Uh, I thought before I even get to the efficiency stuff, like I thought at certain points when their offense was absolutely terrible and his ability to still, even when he was missing, to still get shots up and he had like a, a three right after that. I'm like, okay, like at least he still has that mindset because even though you probably hate the inefficiency, there weren't many better options they were going to get to if Tyler got a little shy in terms of shooting and now all of a sudden things look a lot worse. So I'll say that. But also the efficiency stuff was kind of one of the focuses for him. And maybe it's more in a team aspect than a healthy aspect when you have Jimmy and all these other guys. But still, 8 for 23 is a tough thing to deal with. Specifically, 4 for 12 from 2, I think, is the big thing. And the issue, I think, is I was talking about this a lot before the season when he brought this up the about getting to the line a little bit more, which he got to the line twice. And I think it was on a fast break where he just kind of took it up and got to the line there. But when talking about him getting to the line and kind of taking contact and all of that stuff, I was saying it's like you're either going to get to – like you're either going to be efficient or you're going to try to get to the line because you can't really just continue to take contact and try to do that while also being efficient at the rim. So it's like you have to pick one. And if he's not getting to the line right now and he's still trying to like figure it out, I guess, and, and kind of turn some of these – deep twos or, or middle middle of the floor floaters into like rim attempts and contacts that may not be you know the the best thing in the world maybe it is you just 
fully lean into your game, which is the floaters, which he got to. I thought probably that was probably his best aspect of this game was the floaters because there was a certain point in this game where I was like, okay, I have this shot. I'm going to get to it. Uh, so it, it's still it's a hard evaluation in games like this, and I think that's what we were right. hitting at before. But if we're talking about him being the future and being him and Tyler and Bam being the pillars of this team, eventually this will <laughs> – ideally this will be his role like in a perfect world where he is running the show and he is able to do this. So it is one game this specifically, and he just came off a really good game last night. So I don't want to make too much of this specifically. So I think we also have that have to have that big picture with him specifically. But, yeah, the 4 for 12 from 2 thing is the part that sticks out to me that maybe – he has to internally figure out what he wants to prioritize. Really quickly, um, before we move on to the next segment, I do want to give Bam some credit because I, I spent a whole lot of time there rambling about kind of finding the balance between the mid-range and attacking the basket. I want to give him credit for the way he's gotten to the free throw line since um, this season started where, you know, game one, he had the 10 attempts. Last night against Boston, he had nine attempts. Tonight, uh, I believe it was another 10 he missed a whole lot of them, and he's usually pretty good at that, so I'm not going to be too concerned over it. That's obviously frustrating on the second night of a back-to-back without Jimmy and so many other guys. You needed all those points. You really, really badly needed those points. But, you know, like I said, I'll give him the pass. Um, but I do like to see the free throw attempts up, and I do think there's something to be said about the way that, you know, he's get, kind of getting more respect from the refs when he does attack the basket. And I do think that that is a positive trend, you know, along with some of the things you saw from Hakez and Jovic. But let's get to the next segment of the night, the A-Insurance Play of the Night. And now it's time for the Insurance by Lynette Play of the Night, sponsored by insurancebylynette.com and A-Aggressive Insurance Agency. You can reach out to our friend Lynette at 954-581-8800. That's 954-581-8800 or insurancebylynette.com. That's insurancebylynette.com with two N's and two T's. Your best play for auto insurance, homeowner's insurance, condo insurance, life insurance, or a retirement program. Reach out to Lynette at insurancebylynette.com. And shout out to Lynette. She's always in the comments on playback. Come watch the game with us on Watch Playback. Um, Alex will give you the the URL here in a minute, but I'm going to dive right into the play of the night. And I know that we chose the gamer of the night as a member of the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that's because I think we're all – Naz Reed is a favorite player of the show. Uh, Heat fans anybody, in general. Heat fans love him. Yeah, Heat fans in general. So that's why we went with him. But we're not doing that for both of these. So I want to ho- holler out uh, and call out Nico Jovic because at the beginning of the third quarter, and this is when the game was still very close, he stole the ball from Rudy Gobert with 11.46 to go. This is right when it started. And then – scurried down the court in five seconds, made a running layup to tie the game at 55. It was the play of the night for me because it shows me the things that Jovic can do in the open floor. I think we all know that he can spot up and he can shoot. We saw some of that. We know he can pass the ball. I like to see him converting defense into offense because nobody associates that with Nikola Jovic yet. So it's good to see it. That is the play of the night, a aggressive play of the night. Let's just quickly, and when I say quickly, 30 seconds each, talk about the bucket of young players in uh, Nikola Jovic, 
Jaime Hawkes Jr. And let's also include Jamal Cain. Give him a shout out tonight. Mm. Brady, I'll come to you first. On those three guys, uh, what were the things that popped the most for you? The things that you hope can can, can continue? Do you think Spo is going to give these guys uh, PT going forward? What's your outlook there? And then uh, I'll get the same from Alex before we get to final thoughts. So real quickly on Jaime and Jovich, I think the first one, the big thing for me that I think will keep them each on the floor longest, I've been saying this for a while, is their shooting. And they were a combined three of six from three. Uh, they, you know, Jovich had a couple uh, that really just kind of looked consistent and the jumper looked good where I'm like, okay, that could keep him on the floor if he's able to space and not demand the ball. Uh, and Jaime did some stuff as well. He had one kind of catch and shoot three. The other part of those two is I thought they actually both had like multiple, multiple, multiple really good defensive plays. Like Jaime having to deal with Tatum and, you know, having to deal with a couple of offensive hooks and in, in, on the way. But then having to guard Anthony Edwards out the gate and he had a couple of plays where I'm like, okay, he's able to really stay in front of the guys in isolation. Jovich played a lot of drop. He was able to contain that play you referenced. He blitzed out, I think, on Mike Conley recovers on Gobert on the pocket pass and steals it, then goes in the other direction. Like, those reads stuck out to me. Uh, and he's having to guard Gobert. He's not like an offensive threat in the post, but he's like a much bigger guy to have to deal with physicality-wise, yeah. which is what you want to see from him. And then real quickly to say Jamal Keen, I mean, I don't think you could have anything bad to say about Jamal Keen. I think the only thing you could say, as Alex brought up before, was if you look at the, the plus-minus, <laughs> which I don't, we mostly don't look at a single game, but minus 23, that just hurts to look at. Because if you watch him play, he was only really get, like putting out positive plays, it felt like, in my opinion. Pressing, zone, he was switching all over the zone at the top of that. If the ball came off the rim, he is darting down the rim, down the court, and he is a lob threat at all times. They were throwing it up to him, and he's just fine. He's like a receiver. He's like watching Tyree kill in the Dolphins offense when they just runs behind the linebacker. That's what he does. He just gets behind that back line, and if he gets behind you, he is a real threat above the rim because he is just a complete athlete. Uh, so I know, I don't know. There was really good stuff from Jamal Kane specifically. He's a guy that can really just fit in to whatever lineup you throw him out there in. And, and the top of the zone, top of the press is really somewhere you can utilize him. So if there was something to talk positively about, I think those three guys kind of showing they could be rotation players when necessary is, is a good sign. Uh, I agree. I'm, I, I'm pretty much with you. I feel like all three of these guys to a different extent are kind of, plug and play for the heat obviously you just wouldn't want them in a scenario where you're missing so many guys where they have to make up a lot but um i did like what i see i mean what i saw from those guys today and, and i i said on playback that i feel like and look i don't want to i don't want to make it sound bad and like have to pit guys against each other it's not what i'm trying to do but i did say on playback i felt like this is the first time in you know since they've been together on the same team that jovich has outplayed hawkes when hawkes has played yeah um and again, I'm not trying to pit them against each other. There's no reason to. They're both on the same team. They can both play. But honestly, like, I was really happy to see Jovic be as effective as he was. And I've loved what I've seen from him with the jumper, just the willingness to take it, because I did have some concerns before about that and, and his own confidence with it, because he really does like to attack a closeout and make the right play and, you know, make the next pass, all of that, which is good. He's... I like the way that he attacks the rim um, as a, you know, attacking a closeout in the half court. And like what Brady said in transition, he's a weapon. He, he's a weapon. He can grab and go um, and, and just kind of go from there. And I think he's much more comfortable attacking in that way. That's important for the heat, like getting 
a couple of extra transition baskets is going to help. And I, I was very like I was kind of surprised by by Spo putting uh, Jovic on Gobert, whereas it feels like Bam is. It, it makes sense to have Bam guard Carl Anthony Towns, and and you know just kind of have you know not have to not worry about that when it comes to that matchup. It's like okay, Bam, you got Cat. Uh, you know he shut him down, but he usually likes to have Bam on the back line, and having Jovic on the back line I think hurt their defense a little bit just because it's hard to ask Jovic to keep up with a guy much bigger than him, as Brady was saying. And it's like, Gobert can seal and, and, and grab all these boards. And I, I feel like it's it's a tough physical matchup for Jovic. He did his best, and he was really effective. I, I do think on the offensive side, like, you saw the way, the, the passing ability, you saw the shooting ability with the spot-up threes. Like I said, the attacking in transition and attacking the closeouts in the half court. And those are the things that I think he's going to stick to and and that are going to stand about stand out about him when he plays. So... Happy for Jovic to see him do that next to Bam is what everybody wants to see, of course. And then Hakez, um, I thought he played pretty well too. I, I I love what he did in the first quarter with Kyle with some of those cuts. He's been a really good cutter so far. I've liked what I've seen. And I, I wish they would have done like Brady talked about this on playback, you know, running more stuff out of the mid post for Hakez for, or for even Jovic too. Like they, they could have done some of that. It's obviously a little tougher when they're in the starting lineup, along with Kyle Tyler and Bam who have, you know, a lot of guys who are, who are going to be having the ball in their hands there. And, you know, maybe you would have seen more of it if they were coming off the bench. But um, other than that, I think Hakez did a pretty good job fitting in. And maybe there is a concern there where it's like, you see the difference in his game when they're not, running stuff for him to just kind of be in his spots and play out of it where he's a little bit less effective, but he's still like, I thought the spot up three looks pretty smooth. It's not like you want him to only take those shots, but I feel okay with it when he, when he's open, I'm, I'm fine with it. And I want to see more. That's really what it comes down to. It's a little bit unfortunate with the timing, just because so many guys are out. You'd want to see these guys get as many reps as possible during this time. But you know, they had their, their stuff, too, leading into the season. And so they've kind of been played conservatively. Hopefully we get a little bit more of them soon. I, I, both of these guys have pretty damn good vision for, for forwards. I, both of them can make plays with the ball. I like what I'm seeing, man. And shout out Jamal Kane. We already know what he does, man. The guy is a magnet when it comes to the boards. He, he's, he, he's a menace on the boards with that second jump he has, which is lethal. Um, and the defensive end Brady went through it like he was one of the their, their better parts of the zone, which which was pretty good tonight until it wasn't. And that's what happens when you run it for so long, right? Like people get used to it. They kept getting Cat and others into the middle of the zone. They were finding the big the the bigs um, and the kind of the mismatches with the bigs. That's I'm I'm rambling now, but I think that's kind of what you take away positively from this game is that you feel pretty good about those three guys. Agree on all counts. Uh, let's close with the injury report. And now it's time for the official five on the floor injury report sponsored by our friend Eric Rubenstein, the personal injury attorney. Born and raised in Lauderdale, Florida, lives in Miami, went to St. Thomas. He's a South Florida guy and a huge Miami Heat fan. But the important thing is he can help you get your money that you deserve when something happens to you. So reach out to our guy, Eric Rubenstein. Again, ericrubenstein.com or ask about me. I got you on Instagram. And now the injury report. So for tonight's game, the only thing you need to know is that Caleb Martin didn't play, but also Jimmy Butler was inactive for rest. 
I would anticipate he's going to play against Milwaukee. Uh, as we look ahead to Monday's matchup, that's on October the 30th. The Miami Heat travel into Milwaukee. They should see Damian Lillard, Giannis, Antetokounmpo, and company. But I caution you against this. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks play the night before at home mm. against Atlanta. And on that second night of back-to-back, Chris Middleton may not play. So I think it's interesting just to watch. We'll see what, what game they prioritize there. But tonight's injury report, while I'm giving you the scoop on the heat, and again, don't expect to see Haywood Highsmith or Josh Richardson on this trip. Uh, I think it'll actually even be maybe a surprise to see him come Wednesday, November 1st, back in Miami against Brooklyn. But we'll, we'll see how this goes. But ultimately, I think you won't see any of those guys. Hopefully, Jimmy will be back. We'll see if Chris Middleton plays for Milwaukee, which which should should be a crazy emotionally charged game for heat fans seeing dame in a milwaukee bucks jersey thank you for joining us for the post game uh show related to the minnesota timberwolves beating the miami heat 106 90 thank you to brady thank you to alex ethan is back from vacation tomorrow have a good night after the end of a good fight you deserve an ice cold reward Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.